Welcome to today's episode. Joining Matt on the hotline is Kelly Riddle from Kelmar Global. Kelly brings his 30-plus years of experience to the show to talk about domestic investigations. Listen in as he gives some tips and covers some mistakes investigators make when trying to do this kind of work. Kelly is a national speaker, an award-winning author, and has an endless wealth of knowledge. This episode is brought to you by Crosstracks Case Management Software. Crosstracks is case management software that is built by investigators for investigators. The robust features allow organizations to manage any size caseload. The system can be customized for all types of cases including criminal defense, process service, domestics, backgrounds, surveillance, and more. Start your free trial today at crosstracks.co and use promo code PIP20 to receive your second month for free. Let's check in with the guys and see what they bring to the table. Here's your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And here we are back again with the next episode of PI Perspectives. I'm really excited today because our next guest I was able to wrangle in from the like 10,000 conventions he's speaking at. Uh, he's a, a, a hot, uh, sought-after commodity here. I had the privilege of meeting him down in uh, uh, St. Petersburg, and uh, we really hit it off. And man, this is just one of those guys in the industry you want to know about and you want to be friends with. So I'm welcoming to the program, Mr. Kelly Riddle. Kelly, how you doing? Hey, Matt. I'm uh, honored to be here, man. I'm excited and enjoyed meeting you. You're a great guy, and you've got a good following, so I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. Well, check is in the mail, sir. Thank you. <laughs> happy to help man happy to help yeah and really I, I appreciate that man so you gave a presentation for nally after the presentation i, I approached you and said hey I'd, I'd really like to to talk to you on my program about anything right that's right ethics and marketing you know i do a little bit of everything but uh i think there was ethics and that's a big deal for our industry as you know right definitely i just had uh, brandon fortuno uh, we were talking about social media ethics, and that's definitely something that we need to be aware of when we're out there doing our investigative work. I know you've, you've been on a couple podcast programs, and you really have been speaking at many different events. So I wanted to to kind of get you on board and maybe talk about something a little different, something that you don't talk about uh, typically all the time. And uh, we settled on domestics. So I appreciate you coming on today to talk to me about that. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your company, Kelmar Global, how you got into business and what your background is. Yeah, I'm honored to do so. So uh, I was a police officer for seven years, uh, got out of that, went to work for a worldwide PI company that no longer exists. And that's why I had to start my business. So in 1989, I needed a job. So I started this business then with a partner. My partner, four years later, finished his degree in marriage and family counseling, and that's what he wanted to go do. That's what he was called to do. So we, you know, separated, and I continued to march on. Started off in Texas and with one office and kind of just built from there. We have offices throughout uh, the major metro areas in Texas, and we're licensed basically from coast to coast at this point. So, you know, it's been good to me. That's great, man. Yeah, it's inspiring to, to hear you talk about your story and how you got into business and, and really what you've done and how you've been blessed is really uh, really awesome. And, you know, there are the blessings, but there's also the management on that. They have to go and actually run those companies and, and take care of everything, too. So, you've, you know, I've, I've listened to a bunch of your talks on, on how you do marketing and how you run your business, and it's inspiring, man. It's really, uh, really cool stuff. I appreciate that. And, you know, you come from the same background that I do. Um, you know, I know we're going to talk about this, but, you know, my, my background, as far back as I can remember, has been in church. So, right. you know, 
guys like us, we understand where the blessings come from. And, sure. you know, it's, it's always a struggle, you know, walking and, and, uh, you know, building a business, but I don't know how anybody does it, you know, without, uh, being grounded. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I listened to a podcast, uh, episode recently on, uh, Francie Coleridge. He was interviewing an investigator who happened to be Christian also. And Francie was like, well, isn't that like a, a conflict? Like, how are you a private investigator and a Christian? And it's like, you know, he's responded right back to she's he's like, no, it totally makes sense, right? You're looking for the truth. You're looking for answers. You know, uh, listen, if you're a good uh, Christian, and I don't mean to get too religious here, but if you're a good Christian, you know, like you're putting yourself out there in those um, opportunities uh, that church folk aren't there, right? You got to be the salt and light to the world. And, you know, one of the things you turned me on to is the Association of Christian Investigators, which is something that uh, you put together and was uh, important to you. So tell me a little bit about that association. Yeah, well, as you know, I, uh, and as you mentioned, I speak at a lot of conferences, and I was speaking at the uh, National Association of Investigative Specialists down in Austin, Texas, back in the 90s. And Ralph Thomas that founded that association, he and I were just standing around talking, and he said, you know, what do you think is the biggest issue with our profession right now? And, you know, back in the 90s, especially, you had a lot of TV shows that, you know, they just showed the PI as a former police officer that was most likely alcoholic, got kicked out of the force, something of that nature. And I said, you know, really, it's it's just integrity and ethics. And we have we have a bad outlook as far as the public goes. And I said, you know, so I feel like we we need to have some grounding, something that brings us back to that. And I told him what my thoughts were about starting an association of Christian investigators. And I also said, I know four other investigators that are also ordained pastors. And I, I said, those really are the people that should start this, but no one seems to be called to do it. And so through his, you know, kind of prodding and encouragement, I started the association. Yeah, that's great, man. That's great. And you've actually been a part of nine or 10 boards of different associations, right? So you, you definitely understand that that model and what's important to have that association involved in running a business. So there was some another uh, association that caught my uh, attention. Uh, you had put together an association of different state associations, right? This like mega association of, of um, leaders from, from different states. I thought that was really cool. Tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah, so I was the president of TALI, the Texas Association of Licensed Investigators, from 2010 and through 2012. And as I was stepping down from that, uh, I had put together a world conference, and it happened to be in San Antonio. We had uh, about 670-something people that attended it and had a tremendous amount of, uh, of vendors, and it was a really big success. And I was, you know, had, had been talking to other leaders and found out that it's not uncommon, like in a lot of associations, where at least half of your board is, you know, goes off and you vote on an, another group. And so you can lose a lot of your history. You can lose a lot of your, you know, just your, your, your moving forward, your presence uh, when that happens. And it's not uncommon to you know, get started on some project and then it just goes by the wayside. So, you know, there's a lot of education. There's a lot of people out there that's been on boards that have good ideas. And, you know, I had started uh, discount programs with car rentals and, you know, staples and all kinds of stuff. And I said, that stuff should be transferable over to other associations and we should be helping each other out. And so that's really where this came from. 
That's great, man. I think people that think outside the box like that, right? So every state association has the, the same problem, right? How do we, how do we keep our membership? You know, how do we get our members to say, okay, I'll write a check once a year and be a part of this, but what am I getting out of it? Right. That's always the first question. And when you have that turnover in the board, that's always a problem, right? Because you start putting deals together and next thing you know, the term is up and you know, the person that's coming in to be in charge might not be on the same page uh, as the other person. And, you know, you don't really see that too often, but it does happen every now and then. And, you know, these state associations is like you, you're, you're almost on a track, right? You start off uh, handling a region, right. then they put you into a secretary slash treasurer, then they put you into a VP, and then they, they put you into a president, and then you're chairman of the board. So the idea is if you're if you're the president of association, you're kind of running everything, then afterwards you're chairman or chairwoman of that association, that you're still having that input where deals you started hopefully <laughs> can can come together. But man, right. like in New York, it's, it's 18 of us or 16 or 18 on, on that board, and we always don't see eye to eye with one another and that's definitely a challenge uh on getting things accomplished so it's great that you can put together that that uh, state association and and uh, or association of state associations and being able to um to feed into that and i know that's something that like nciss is starting to do really reaching out to the each state and uh, offering and and um, seeing if they have any issues or any legislative things they need a hand with because there are many states out there that actually don't have their own lobbyists. And it, it, I didn't know that, right? So when I heard, I was like, that's crazy. Because I'm, I mean, I'm from New York, my state association, we have a lobbyist. It's like, that's what you do. You have a lobbyist to, to lobby for your, your thing. I like, it didn't make sense to me. Uh, I was out at an event in New Jersey. And they were talking about a DMV issue they have out there, which is a real big problem. New Jersey is about to lose all their DMV information. And they don't have a lobbyist. Oh, man. Yeah, they have no lobbyist. So it's like, absolutely crazy. Um, so well, no, that's kind of why I started that very issue. You know, it's called the Coalition uh, of Association Leaders, or COAL. And, uh, you know, part of it was the legislative aspect, because at the time, uh, ISPLA and NCISS were kind of, you know, not really venturing out and doing a lot at that moment in time. Right. And so I thought, all right, you know, if there is a legislative fight that we need to have, all of the former uh, leaders, you know, with any board position, if you were on a board of any kind, you, you can belong to coal. And so we, you know, we have a document with our signatures on it. So if you, if you get this document, uh, that you can present to your legislators, that has got these different associations with all these people signing it and you're either for it or against it, you know, that makes a, that makes a presence. And then, and you know, it's really, uh, that's part of what it was designed for. But you right. know, since that time, NCISS has kind of stepped up to the plate. And, and uh, you know, so it's not quite about as much the legislative aspect. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have seen the writing on the wall and, and the, the fact that everything is so electronic now and living online and the ability to communicate is, is that much easier. Like one of the things they're doing is they're, uh, they do like a, a quarterly call with all the state associations where if you're you know, one of the, a president or a VP or, or designated uh, person from that association, you can participate in this um, conference call, which is amazing, right? It's a, a thought tank right. where thought leaders uh, in the investigative agency uh, or industry come and they, they discuss legislative issues. I think it's really, really awesome. So I know we're here today to talk about domestics, and I promise you we're getting to it. Before we, we do jump into that, though, tell me a little bit about the PI Institute and what that's about. Yeah, so the PI Institute was a training mechanism that I started way back in the 90s, and we literally used to have classes once a month 
over the weekend. And we'd have 50 to 75 people each month. And as the way of the internet goes, you know, people didn't want to sit in classrooms. And so it went online. And that's essentially what it is now. Um, it, it's certified and approved in a lot of the different states that require continuing education. So you can go online, take our courses, get training uh, that and a certificate. And the next thing that we're in the process of doing, we're actually redoing that site and we're fixing to come out with marketing also because, you know, as you know, Matt, I've written 12 books. And so we're fixing to have a marketing package where you can get 10 books, you can get a business plan, you know, example of a business plan. You can get an example of an operational manual. You can get uh, one free CE course and some other stuff. So all this is going to be rolled into one uh, package, if that's what you want to call it. So that's kind of where we're going with that next. Yeah, that's great. I, I think the business plan thing is awesome, right? So when, when I was starting my business, I had to go, you know, like business plan for dummies, <laughs> you know, with those yeah. that book, and yeah. you know, it talks about writing, you know, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, your your forecasting, and everything I put down in that plan when I went to a bank to convince them to give me money to start my business, I was like completely off, in uh, I was yeah. I was short, which is crazy, right? I I didn't give give myself enough credit as to how successful I was going to be. Um, yeah, that's right. Man. But having a resource like that, I think is very, very helpful, right? How do you talk a bank manager into lending you money, right? They all think you're Thomas Magnum or, or they think it's that, you know, seedy guy that we were talking about earlier with a retired cop that's a drunk too. You know, like, yeah, how do you get somebody around that so they understand exactly what we do and, and the need for it, right? That was a tough sell for me, but I was uh, lucky that I was trying to borrow money when they were just giving it away to everybody. So the, the stock yeah, market right. had not crashed, so my timing was perfect. Oh, man. Um, yeah, but that's a great reason. That's one of the two reasons that most people do it. The second reason that I talk about in my marketing classes is the fact that it focuses you and, you know, it helps you decide and, and outline where you're going to go with your business instead of just bouncing between the curbs, you know? Right. And, and one of the things I do personally is like every November, I'll do like a game plan for the following year. And I have a list that I check off things. All right, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it just helps me get focused. And by the time I hit January, like I'm, I'm in full gear. I don't have to think about what I want to do. I already know. I already have it all in place. So um, it was interesting. Exactly the way I am. Right. And you had, uh, you know, talked about with John Hodon on his show recently, um, which, by the way, people should check out John's show, my favorite detective stories, uh, really great podcast. But you were talking about, deciding whether or not to be an investigator or a business owner, right? And you get to that point where you have to make that decision, you know, that I'm not going to be just the investigator anymore. Like I really need to manage my business. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard move for anybody that's a good investigator. I mean, we all get into this, you know, this profession because we are good investigators. So to step out of that and put on, you know, a manager's hat, business person's hat, it's difficult and it's hard for all of us. But at some point, you know, if you're going to grow your business, you have to. Yeah. Okay, so enough of that nonsense. <laughs> we're going to dive into <laughs> domestics. <laughs> uh, so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk on how to do domestic work and talk about some of your experiences on how you got this work done. So sit tight, everybody. We'll be right back. Kelmar Global is a proud sponsor of PI Perspectives. A leader in the industry, Kelmar Global has been successfully conducting all types of investigations for our clients since 1989. Specializing in surveillance as well as corporate investigations, insurance fraud and cases for law firms, 
Kelmar Global is licensed throughout the U.S. Contact us at kelmarglobal.com. Please reach out to Kelly and his team if you need anything covered throughout the United States. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare. I'm your host. And uh, we're here today with Kelly Riddle from Kelmar Global. And uh, we're talking about domestic surveillance. So welcome back, Kelly. Thanks, Matt. I'm enjoying being here and talking to you. Okay, so domestics. I know I had, like, when I started doing my um, my investigative business, actually before I even started my business, when I was working for somebody and learning how to become an investigator, they had, uh, you know, spatterings of, uh, of doing domestic work, and I, I hated it, right? Because I would always catch the person doing something, and then they, they, right. they would reconcile, right? And nothing would happen. And then they'd come back like six minutes, uh, six months later, he's doing it again, or she's doing it again. You got to go out and do it. And I get so frustrated because I'm like, I already solved your problem. Why are you coming back to me? Um, so I made a decision, like, I don't want to do this kind of work and I just don't do it. So it's not my, not my wheelhouse. Um, I know plenty of investigators, especially here in New York that do it, uh, that I always line up. So tell me a little bit about how you got into doing domestics and what's your approach to it. Well, I, you know, when I first started my business, we did 100% insurance defense work, um, and that is only about 20% of what we do now. A lot, most of what we do is corporate work. But, you know, as the world goes, you work with attorneys, and the attorneys go, "Look, I know you don't do domestics, but come on, do this for me. It's a real good client." So you kind of get into those. And realistically, I mean, I've, I've had some pretty good paying domestic cases. We had one uh, not too long ago. We, you know, we billed out over, over $500,000 wow. and we, we were on that case for over a year around the clock. We had an apartment, you know, right across from the guys and everything else. I mean, you can hit some home runs financially on those. So, uh, you, you know, but you have to deal with the emotions and that's the downside. Okay. So that, that is another problem that you run into. So I got, I, you're right about doing the work and doing somebody a favor. Cause anytime that I'm doing uh, that kind of work, domestic work, uh, through my business personally, it's always a favor to somebody. So I had this situation, uh, I think it was the last year or the year before where we were doing a favor for somebody and we caught this person's spouse red handed. I mean, like there, there was, it, it was definitive that there was something going on, right? You could not even argue it. Wow. And you know, the guy came back and he's like, well, this is my fault, right? I haven't been a good husband. And now all of a sudden you become a psychologist and you know, you try and be polite and you work your way through. And next thing you know, they're calling you like once a week to, to just unload on you. I'm like, I'm not Sigmund Freud, dude. Like, (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. I'm trying to run a business. Like maybe you need counseling and help. That would be like money better spent than having me go out and do work again. So there is that, you know, human aspect to it. Right. And you feel bad for the, for the man or woman that that's going through this. Um, but it does like it get to a point where you got to knock it off and say, okay, I'm not, you know, I don't have a degree to, to give you advice. Um, have you come well, across that why, si- you know, situation? I have. And, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, my former business partner, that's why he's my former business partner, because he went out and got his PhD in marriage and family counseling. So he refers people to me and I refer people to him. Right. So it works out very well, you know, and, and I mean, we had a lady one time that we showed her the video and she ran out of the office and I literally had to chase her down. And if she was shutting the door, she was reaching down underneath the uh, car seat and she 
was grabbing a pistol. Oh my god! And she's like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go kill him, kill him, and you know, calling him all kinds of names and <laughs> of stuff. Course. And so that's what I'm talking about. You know, the emotions and stuff. You, you end up ba- being a babysitter a lot of times. Right, right. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, like, uh, all right. So let's say somebody's getting into this business, and let's say they have a, a, a knack for this. Like, they really want to do this type of work how would you solicit this type of work what would you recommend and like how do you get in into it and how do you get the the best results in, in doing this kind of work well really this is one of the easier parts of our business to get into you know uh doing doing defense work where you get court appointed uh to, to defend help defend people and domestics are probably the two easiest to get into so uh you know what you need to do is find the attorney's that are family law attorneys and just solicit them, market to them. Right. And, you know, once you get into them, then you have to be fairly good at surveillance. So hopefully, you know, if you're getting into that, you have some experience with surveillance. Now, do you recommend running like two or three person teams or is it a, a one person job just to get started? Yeah, it's, you know, the budget's going to dictate that, as you know, but obviously two or three is always the way to go. And, uh, but, a lot of times they just can't afford it. So one, it may be, may be all you, that you have, but uh, I'm sure you've seen this too, Matt, where the, I've had clients call up and say, look, you know, I know my husband's going to be at such and such bar and I just want you to send in this gorgeous female and, mm-hmm. and hit on him and see if he'll take the bait, you know? And for, for me personally, we don't do that. You know, entrapment, that, yeah. I think that's entrapment, <laughs> yeah, right, totally. you know? And I mean, I, I've had some, some of my friends over the years that have, have had that happen to them. And, sure. you know, when we walk out, they crumple up the number and throw it in the trash just right. because they took a number that didn't just means they didn't want to hurt the person's feelings. You know, right, so you right. got to figure out is, you know, where does that go? So I, I'm always under the impression, right? That there's, there's uh, two sides to every story and then there's the truth, which lies somewhere in between the two sides <laughs> to the story, right? <laughs> That's exactly right, man. <laughs> And uh, I don't like judging people, right? That's not for me to do either. So I try and, you know, yep, another yep. reason I stay out of domestics is just not um, not my cup of tea. But I understand the need for it. I, I definitely do. Um, so what do you think are some of the mistakes that uh, investigators make that are uh, trying to get into this work or, or do this work? Well, I think, you know, part of, part of the problem is they're not uh, properly, they don't have the proper equipment a lot of times because, you know, this type of case, you may start off in a vehicle. You may follow them to, you know, to a bar. They may go into a movie theater. May go into a restaurant. So you got to have a lot of different abilities as far as video goes. And uh, you know, they take for instance in San Antonio, which is where I live. Uh, San Antonio is the number one tourist attraction in the state of Texas, and so we have a tremendous amount of conventions here. And a lot of times they want us to watch their spouse who's here on a convention. Well. You know, we have the river walk. So you may start off on street level. You may end up down on the river walk where all the bars and restaurants are. You know, you may end up back at the hotel. So you've got to be real flexible and have that ability to, to mingle and, and, you know, transfer into different environments. Yeah, I guess you got to be ready for anything. I remember I was uh, watching a presentation uh, for Cali. I was out in Las Vegas and they had brought in uh, a woman investigator who ran a um, PI business in Las Vegas. And her whole thing was, doing surveillance on people in hotels, right? And one of the things they had is they had like dummy keys to each hotel that they just like developed relationships where they were able to have these, uh, you know, these passes that would get them essentially into the hotel. Wouldn't get them up. I think it got them on the elevator, but it wouldn't get them into a room or anything, but but just something to get into the elevator. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty, uh, pretty crazy. And the thing is, is like, 
you know, you pick them up off the hotel, but then you don't know, or, or off the airport, but then you don't know what hotel they're going to. Right. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, it's a cat and mouse game. I don't know. I, it's very stressful for me, man. <laughs> I know. I yeah, I know. I know, man. Well, it. and that's the other problem because a lot of times, again, being in a tourist location, they may not know what hotel they're staying in. So they say, just, just pick them up the airport, like, you know, picking up a piece of gum. And, uh, then, you know, it, it escalates. Now you need at least four people. Right. Four investigators just to pick them up and get them from the airport to the hotel because they may get in an Uber, they may get in a rental car, somebody may pick them up. I mean, yep. all kinds, and that's just assuming that you see them coming out of the gate to begin with. Right, right. Yeah, we had something uh, recently a few weeks ago with LaGuardia Airport in New York City, and if you've ever been to LaGuardia yeah. in in New York yeah. City, if you've been there recently within the past year or so, you understand that that is hell on earth, literally, in the construction that they're doing there. It's yeah, uh, it's man. very confusing, and it's really, really, really tough. So it's definitely a challenge. Um, well, and, and then you have different things, you know, the, as I as you and I have talked about. I mean, I've, I've had cases where I have, just because you can do it in the location where you live, you know, I've had to go to different states. I've gone to different countries. I've gone, you know, followed one guy to five different islands down in the Caribbean. So, you know, you got to be able to take your tool, your trade and go, you know, to a lot of different environments. Right. That's very in- interesting. Sounds like a lot of frequent flyer miles. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, uh, these are the cases when, when you, people always want to talk to PIs and they want to always want to hear your stories. And so these are the ones to me that everybody goes, man, I just can't believe it. You know, I mean, we've had we've had guys that have had, you know, multiple families. We've, you know, had one person that that uh, supposedly he, he met this lady, my client, on the Internet, and they married six months later in Las Vegas after only seeing each other in person two times. Uh-huh. And just as they were leaving, they left Las Vegas, were going to Jamaica for their honeymoon, and right before they landed, he said, oh, by the way, you're going to meet my other five wives. So, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you can't, yeah, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Was his name Bill Paxton? Was he on Big Love? Not the truth. Were they from Utah? Yeah, that's I know. You would think so. That's crazy, right? Yeah, totally trying to to get all the uh, deadly sins out of the way, right? (laughs) All in one, man. It makes knock them out with a home run, you know. But that one was fun for me because I got to go to different islands and and I had to uh, you know meet each one of these quote wives and you know develop a you know, rapport with them and get them to tell me, you know, about how they come, came to know their quote husband. And, and the, the, the strange thing about that is I also had a brokerage house in the East that, uh, this guy had scammed some money out of. So they wanted me to find him to find the money. And, and so both of the clients agreed that I could do a dual investigation. Nice. And so, uh, you know, on the way to Jamaica, the guy was sitting there looking through all these financial records. And so my client, she didn't know what to do, man. You know, she was in shell shock, you know, five other wives. And so all she knew to do was make copies of his papers at night when he was asleep. Wow. And so she gave me a copy of that, which had a lot of financial data on it. And so, you know, I, I, I scored a home run for both of those clients. I'm sure if you kept following the guy, if you went to like another island, you probably would have found where he buries the bodies. Just like craziness. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Well, and what's strange about that is, if you can do this, you, you know, I lost him on an Island. I, I sat beside him and his real wife from California at dinner in Jamaica. And I was talking to him and stuff. And so I found out that he was going to be going to, I think it was 
Bahamas. And whichever island it was, I lost him there. So I told my client, I said, you know, FedEx him something. I don't care. It has to be picked up. Just make sure that he has to sign for it at the at the, the location there. Right. So I staked that out. And so sure enough, he shows up and boom, I got him, you know. Well, that's being creative. So so tell me some of the other creative things you've done on domestic surveillance. One of my clients had, he'd been married for 25 years, had a son and a daughter who were like almost 24 and 22. But he had a mistress for 23 years and had a son and daughter from, from that arrangement as well. And so one day the wife opens his briefcase and finds these condoms. And she's like, man, you know, why does he have condoms? we got grown kids. So she hired us. And that's when I started finding out that, that, you know, he had another family. Well, it gets stranger because his wife was, was named Debbie and his mistress was named Debbie. And from a distance, they looked almost identical. But through this process, we found out that his mistress was born on December 26th. So every year, right after Christmas, he supposedly had to leave on business. When in actuality, he was got to, he had to go spend the birthday with the mistress. You know, <laughs> and, and out of all this, he sent one of his kids from his marriage. I think it was his son from his marriage to the University of Texas, and he sent his daughter from the mistress relationship to the University of Texas at the same time. Oh my goodness. And we got we were going we never could figure out if they ever met each other, but can you imagine if he had you know, one of the kids had brought the other one home oh for you know, the holidays and say, Hey, meet my boyfriend, you know? That would have been interesting. That sounds like a terrible movie from like two thousand ten. Yeah. And that's the truth. Yeah. I mean that's that but again, those are the kind of things you cannot make these things up. And you know, we followed people from here to, you mentioned Utah, we followed one guy to Utah where he met his mistress. And, you know, and being from Texas, you know, we're not as used to the snow as you guys are, you know. So right. the things that you got to run into, is they go to a ski lift and you go, all right, now you got to follow them on ski lifts and your cameras. Uh, they're used to being in nice, nice warm weather, weather. And so now they're getting, you know, all this, uh, this moisture in them and they're flashing, you know, can't function, can't function, you know. Uh, so you have other issues that you got to deal with when you're following people in different environments. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you only get one chance, right? So you got to be ready for, oh, for yeah. anything. That is money shot. Yeah. Get the money shot. <laughs> that is absolutely crazy. I remember I was talking to uh, uh, one of the members of um, Cali and uh, he was talking about domestics and he was talking about how he had this one client that er- every year he would hire him like, like, I don't know if the past like 15 or 20 years to just do follow up surveillance on the ex-wife. So they had some sort of agreement in there uh, when they were splitting up that if she ever was to take up residence with uh, somebody else that he could stop paying the, uh, the alimony payments. And they were, it was a lot of money. Right. So it was wow. this, yeah. this balance of like, how much am I going to pay an investigator every year to do the investigations on this to how much am I paying off? And do you know it took him like 17 or 18 years to finally get oh, the man. guy? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about. You know, they can be some good paying cases. Yeah. So he was he was bummed because he had finally caught the guy. And he's like, I know I'm not going to get that guaranteed income anymore. The guy, like, he was like, oh, nice man. doing business with you. Thanks for everything. I don't need you anymore. You got me out of paying the alimony payments. Um, yeah, thought, yeah. Well, I thought that was interesting. That's a very interesting case, you know, but, you know, you also run into things, for instance, in Texas, if you can say, all right, I watched the hotel room, they, you know, put them to bed, lights went out or the house, 
and uh, you know you go back bright and early the next morning and you see you know the subject and his girlfriend come out, then you can pretty much surmise that they probably spent the whole night there. But yeah. in some jurisdictions like Louisiana, you can't do that. I mean, you got to sit there and literally watch the door all night long and to be able to testify that they never left and no one entered. Right. I guess there's that so, you know, reasonable other, other doubt, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to know your jurisdiction and the laws where you're working, you know? I think that's important. So I I would assume with you being global, you have a, a, a or, or being throughout the country um, also, that you have a list of uh, locals that you do use uh, when needed, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because, you know, we're, in most jurisdictions, but you can't be everywhere. You know how that goes. So, right. uh, as you know from going to conventions and conferences and stuff, that's where you meet those people, man. That's where you where you figure out who are the people that you can lean on when you need them. Right. So uh, you, you keep a short list of people you know you you have when you got to reach out. And it, you know what's crazy with these domestics is, and I have been getting a lot of these calls lately because of I don't know if it's because of the show or it's because I'm going to I've been going to a lot more conventions. Uh, and conferences and meeting people, but I'm, I'm starting to get calls from New York and it's like, oh, they're flying in in like, you know, six hours. I need them surveilled. Or, you know, you yeah. get the insurance carrier call and say, yeah, I, I need somebody picked up this weekend. We finally got the okay, but we can only pay $50 an hour. And I'm like, yeah, you yeah. do. You do realize this is New York, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> Even if I had yeah, somebody, they, you know, I can't help you. <laughs> New York's a t- totally different ball game, man. I, you know, I, I have been there and have have done those things where you know you start following one guy out of an office building and he you know jumps in a taxi and then he goes a little ways and you know he may hit the subway and then yeah, I mean, just there's so many different things and avenues and ways for people to get around in new york city not to mention the fact that you just got a lot of people that you got to get around you know right right i know we had a case we worked on i think it was last year or the year before where where there was a a businessman a very prominent businessman who he had his wife but he also had his girlfriend you know and everybody knew this guy had his girlfriend his kids knew there's a whole whole family knew about it right everybody i guess but the wife right so the guy ends up dying and he's got this huge huge estate and uh, now the woman's trying to lay claim to one of the buildings saying, you know, that she had this relationship with him and that she lived there. And because she lived there for so long that she's now entitled, you know, to have proceeds from the sale of, the, of that property. And it's uh, like, mm, wow. okay, that's a little strange, right? So what they ended up, what we ended up doing is we, we ended up finding where she really lived. And uh, we started doing deliveries there, you know, and we eventually got her, oh, you, go. <laughs> you know, here, yeah. here's some flowers, <laughs> sign for it, please. Yeah, yeah. And it was enough in, in court to, you know, when they went for the judge to say, mm, it was kind of a stretch to begin with. Now it's really a stretch. I don't think I'm going to allow this to happen. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was uh, interesting. That's um, an interesting case. We had, we had one very similar to that. And our client uh, wanted us to watch uh, his girlfriend to see if she, see if she was cheating on him and he was married so like really you want to do this you're you're a married guy and you want to watch your girlfriend so it's like you know what's wrong with this picture the world has fallen man it really is man it's a it's a messed up place sometimes you know yeah and, uh, that's why I, that's why that's people why need ti's <laughs> that's right we're needed man yeah we'll always have a job as long as there's uh, temptation out there yeah yeah it's crazy you know the same thing too with um with my business model, right? With a personal injury, like I don't yep. ever see myself going out of business. People are always going to have access and there's always a need to, yep. 
understand how or why something happened. And you can, no matter what technology there is out there, no matter what, you're still going to need to have the ability to go out and investigate where it happened and, and talk to people and, and get it done, right? There's always going to be that human element to it. So I think all the dating sites and all this other stuff, yeah, it just adds, you know, some spice to the formula, you know, to the recipe. But you're yep. still going to need to yep. do that actual domestic surveillance is always going to be a part of it. Well, it comes down to the two, you know, to those, uh, you know, professions. Uh, you got greed, you know, people trying to to uh, take advantage of the insurance companies or whatever, you know, and, and uh, money. I mean, money is the root of, as you know, most evils. And so uh, when you dangle that carrot out and that and, uh, you know, sex with cheating spouses and stuff, I mean, it, it's going to keep us in business for a long time. Right. Yep. Yep. So, like, how do you break somebody in? Like, let's say they're coming in to work for you uh, in-house and you want to get them involved into uh, domestics and, and learning. How would you train somebody? How would you, you break them in and, and start them off? Yeah, so, you know, we're, I, I don't care if it's, you know, former DEA agent or who, who it is for us. They have to um, ride along, you know, with one of our investigators. So I've got some of my guys been with me 18, 19, 20 years, you know, and so those are the people that we put them with. And, and so they go out and work some of these cases with them, you know, and part of it is just training yourself what to look for. Like, you know, when you're shooting video, if it's, if it's a domestic case, zero in on their, on their ring finger, you know, find out, you know, are they wearing their ring? Are they, you know, intentionally trying to ditch it? You know, things of that nature, you know, make sure that you, when you follow somebody to, to a hotel, you get the hotel marquee on it and you follow them up to a floor, make sure you get the room number that they go into on the video. And, you know, it's those kind of things. So you got to train people to not only observe, but also make sure that you get the right video and then close it in, close in for that money, like we talked about before. And for us, the money shot could be, you know, anything from, you know, they lean over and kiss, they pat the other one on the rear end, you know, they, they uh, you know, very seldom do you ever get them, you know, where they're, where they're making out in a car. You know, we have had those before and, and uh, you know, one time in particular that I, that I remember, you know, we actually called the police because they were behind a building, a, an office building, and uh, uh, it happened to be where uh, I'm very familiar with, where my dentist is located. So we called and uh, reported a suspicious person. So the police come and they pull him out of the car. And, you know, the guy's trying to tuck his shirt in. The woman's trying to get her skirt back on. And right. you know, so there's a lot of different ways to handle situations like that. But, but ultimately, to your point, you just got to train them up right, you know, and tell them what to look for. Right, right, right. So, I mean, one of the things I always wondered about, too, is um, how do you manage expectations? You know, the, this, this person hiring you, they're convinced that their spouse is cheating or doing something nefarious. But, you know, we're, we're not always getting that huge money shot or that big win. And, you know, they obviously still got to they got to pay for for our time, you know. So, uh, so how right. do you how do you approach that going in, to, you know, managing the expectation of the attorney client or, or uh, someone who's a direct hire? Yeah, that's a great question, you know, and as you know, part of that is educating our client from the very beginning with attorneys. It's not, you know, it's, it's a lot easier, but with just the general public going over what I just, you know, mentioned is a very important thing. It's like, you know, very seldom are we going to catch them, you know, just butt naked with their clothes off, you know? So I said, you need to understand that and you need to figure out what is justification in your mind for, you know, 
divorcing or whatever. I said, I, you know, our job is to give you information. And it may be just where we catch them, one of them going into the other one's house, you know, and then coming out. And that's all you get. And it may be that we catch them, put these under the table, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and so ultimately you put a lot of those things together and you can develop the fact that it's more than just a friendship. I mean, if they're, you know, if they're holding hands, if they're walking arm in arm, if they, you know, lean, lean over and kiss each other, you have a long hug, all those things, you know, will, will tell a reasonable person that it's a relationship. And at the end of the day, that's essentially, essentially what we tell the client. You know, we'll, we will give you all the circumstantial evidence and then it's going to be up to you to make your call on how, on what your comfort zone is. Right, right, right. How do folks get a hold of you if they have any questions or they want to learn more about the PI Institute or um, um, any other of the projects that you're involved in? The website is Kelmar Global, K-E-L-M-A-R Global.com. My toll-free number is 888-873-1714. And the PI Institute is PIInstitute.com. Okay, great. And we'll have all that information in the show notes. So, hey, Kelly, I really appreciate your time. I know you got 10,000 things going on here. So where, where are you speaking at next? <laughs> where are you going next? Yes. So next we'll be at the IntelliNet conference in Las Vegas uh, at the end of March. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be there. <laughs> yeah. Well, we get to hang out again. I love it, man. Right. Get, get some face-to-face time. Right. L- looking forward to it. But, yeah. Hey, I appreciate it, Matt. This has been a blast. And uh, you got a great Uh, podcast going here and thanks for letting me be a part of it oh i appreciate that man thank you so much and uh, i'll talk to you soon and we'll talk to everybody else soon so thanks guys for tuning in and uh, we'll uh, have the next episode and look forward to talking to you next week take care bye we thank you once again for joining us this week can you believe that guy who introduced his new wife to his four other wives you can't make this stuff up and this has been a very special lifetime movie event jeez How about that FedEx trick to pick up a surveillance subject? (laughs) Make sure you check out Kelly's PI Institute for more investigator training. Thanks again to Kelly and Kelmar Global for sponsoring the show. Also, a special thank you to our other show sponsor, Crosstracks. Don't forget the R for code PIP20 when you visit their site. Now, next week, Matt is joined by George Gerges. Matt and George sit down and discuss criminal investigations and how to break into that business and succeed. We really appreciate your support and don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the episode with your friends. Have a great week and see you next time on PI Perspectives.